0: This episode contains conversations about suicidal ideations. These conversations and relative language choices may be triggering for some listeners. Please proceed with caution and care. If you are experiencing emotional distress or suicidal or suspect someone else's, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-TALK or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org.
1: Welcome back to the Future is Green podcast. In today's episode, we will explore the magic of mushrooms. From wild mushrooms that can be used in cooking to mushrooms in supplement form, shrooms, and the history of the funky fungi.
0: So, we're going to dive right in and back up a bit to talk about the history of mushrooms. So, mushrooms have been around for a very long time, thousands of years, and they've been recognized throughout this time period, throughout various civilizations. In terms of mushroom consumption, Ancient Greeks believed that they could be used for strength in battles, and so they often gave their warriors mushrooms for good battle fuel. The Romans perceived mushrooms as, quote, food of the gods, and the Chinese culture often refers to mushrooms as the elixir of life. So to talk about some general background information of mushrooms, there are over 2,000 species and about 25 subspecies are accepted as food, while several are cultivated commercially. Now there are different classifications, but it's important to note that you cannot easily distinguish between edible and medical mushrooms because some edible species have therapeutic properties and some... Mushrooms that are used medicinally are also edible, so it's tough to differentiate. In terms of some of the most popular mushrooms that are cultivated globally, Agaricus bisporus, or the budded mushroom, is the leading mushroom globally, followed by shiitake mushrooms. And then in terms of production, China is the largest producer of mushrooms worldwide. And shiitake mushrooms, or Lentinus edodes, is the most studied species of mushrooms. They have phenomenal antimicrobial properties against both gram-positive and gram-negative bacteria, so that's a huge therapeutic advantage right there. Mushrooms as a whole have over 100-plus associated medicinal properties. These range from being antioxidant, anti-cancer, anti-diabetic, anti-allergic, immunomodulating, cardiovascular protector, Uh, antiviral, antibacterial, antiparasitic, antifungal, detoxification, and hepatoprotective effects. This is just a few, like I said, there's over 100 plus. So huge therapeutic advantages here, and they cover a lot of ground. So in terms of edible mushrooms, so edible mushrooms, we see typically a pretty high protein content along with high fiber And then vast majority of different vitamins, including B12, which is riboflavin, niacin, different folates, vitamin C, B1, B2, and BD, which I'll note that mushrooms are the only non-animal food source that contains vitamin D, which is pretty interesting. Mushrooms also have great mineral properties. They're low in fat and they contain all essential amino acids, which is important because essential amino acids are the amino acids that our body does not make on their own. And so they must be consumed within the diet. So that's great there. And then to differentiate between wild mushrooms and cultivated mushrooms. So wild being mushrooms that are found in the wild and cultivated, meaning that they're being produced by some type of agricultural-related industry. Wild are typically superior, at least in terms of their vitamin D2 content. They're an excellent source of D2. And this is because cultivated mushrooms are grown in the dark. And they misty too because UVB light, so that light from the sun, is needed to produce vitamin D. So eating wild mushrooms is usually advantageous. So Lydia, can you tell us a little bit about the different types of mushrooms and then some of their uses?
1: Absolutely. So as I just said, there are various types of mushrooms we're going to go over the main four. So the first one is saprotroph. This type of mushroom thrives on decay, so decaying wood, plants, even animals can become a food source for these types of mushrooms. Some examples include shiitake, reishi, white button, turkey tail. Okay, the second type is mycorrhizal. They are great for germination with other plant species, which allows plants to grow bigger, faster, and stronger. Many farmers and gardeners will really actually use these as a tool for a better uh, crop yield. Some examples of this would be truffles. Everyone's favorite. Okay, the third type is parasitic. So these feed on the weak in an ecosystem. These fungi will infect the host and eventually kill it. One example of this is lion's mane. And the last type is endophytic, and these are the most unique and exist in an isolated state, kind of an exception to the ruler pattern where we listed the last three kind of each had a very distinct property. So, killing the host, you know, benefiting the host, and then a symbiotic relationship where they're kind of profiting but also not hurting whatever um, the host. So, for this one, it's a little unique. The endophytes partner with plants by invading the host tissue. However, unlike parasitic fungi, this host remains healthy and seems to benefit from the increased nutrient absorption and resistance to pathogens. So that's an interesting take on that. And each type of mushroom has different uses. So we're going to jump into that next. I listed four of the types we just talked about and then to kind of make, take it back a step and look at it from a different lens. There's two bigger types of mushrooms. So We would say the type that you find in a restaurant dish or in a grocery store versus mushrooms that are going to be in capsule form or in, you know, health foods and products that might have more of like the ancient Chinese medicine benefits that Ireland talked about or like the elixir of life. So when you're eating like an omelet with mushrooms, those are kind of just like what we would consider like table or gourmet mushrooms from the grocery store. So those don't have that many of like the nutritional benefits, Benefits, nutritional from the standpoint of, you know, medicine, medicinal. Um, Nutritional still, yes, getting a vegetable in, getting something tasty in, but not for those healing properties. So, like I just said, in contrast, medical mushrooms are highly regarded for their health benefits and have been a vital ingredient in traditional Chinese medicine for thousands of years. And they have many properties that are becoming regularized in Western medicine. So one of our favorites, and first one I'm going to talk about today, is lion's mane. Lion's mane mushrooms contain many beneficial plant compounds, and research suggests that these compounds may simulate the growth of new brain cells, improve depression, anxiety, um, and can support the gut, heart, and immune health, too. And for lion's mane, we'll talk about this a bit later in more depth, but it's really easy to consume. I would say, personally, if I am going to have mushrooms as a part of my diet, uh, The more like medicinal version of mushroom. It would be in the form of lion's mane. I have a lion's mane powder that I sometimes froth with my milk for a hot latte or you can just throw like a teaspoon into a smoothie. I find that it really is good for like the anti-anxiety component. So it's very calming and kind of counteracts the caffeine in coffee. So that's always a plush. The next one we're going to talk about is reishi. So reishi mushroom have been used to enhance the immune system, reduce stress, improve sleep, and lessen fatigue. People can also take this to help regulate the conditions of high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Of course, talk to your doctor about this. If you are on a medication for high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, you don't want to stop that and you know just do the mushrooms, but definitely something to consider adding in. And then, Ireland, would you want to talk about the last three here?
0: Yes, I would love to. So, turkey tail is a medicinal mushroom and it's one of the best. I mean, they're all great, but this is a colorful mushroom that helps the immune system. So, to avoid getting sick, if you are sick, uh, starting to recuperate faster, and it also can support healthy digestion and overall energy levels. And it's full of antioxidants and other important compounds. And so it can also help maintain the gut microbiome and even support the treatment of some cancers. And with turkey tail specifically, when we talk about some of those antioxidants, there's been a few studies that show that it can protect against different neurodegenerative diseases. A lot of these diseases often arise as a result of many factors, but one of those could be oxidative stress. So these antioxidants work to basically be the firefighters that are putting out the flames of reactive oxygen species, and that is where it's just these very unstable oxygen molecules, and it can help put those out like a firefighter would do. So next we have cordyceps. So These are thought to improve immunity by stimulating different cells and specific chemicals within the immune system. It's been used in traditional Chinese medicine for over thousands of years. Cordyceps is very popular among athletes even who will use it to help boost their overall energy, their stamina, their performance. Uh, This promotes increased energy levels and again is anti-inflammatory. So we're seeing a lot of reoccurring themes here, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. And then lastly, we're going to talk about mataki mushrooms. So these are, again, edible and they are consumed widely in Asia as food, but they're also used in traditional medicine to treat different diseases such as diabetes and hypertension. So now we're going to talk about a article that is titled the clinical potential of psilocybin as a treatment for mental health conditions and this comes to us from south dakota state university college of pharmacy i've never been to south dakota but this is exciting and i'm excited to talk about this so lydia do you want to tell us a little bit about psilocybin just some background information sure okay psilocybin is a classic
1: hallucinogen and it is a chemical produced by more than 100 species of mushrooms it has a high affinity for several serotonin receptors located in the cerebral cortex and thalamus so looking back at the history a bit it was first isolated in 1957 and the synthetic version was introduced in 1958 cultivated mushrooms are more potent up to 10 times compared to the wild type with the introduction of the Controlled Substance Act in 1970, clinical studies using hallucinogens and psychedelics were stopped. Previous research that was conducted in the 50s and 60s was not taken seriously. Up until 1992, when things started to change, the National Institute on Drug Abuse collaborated with an FDA committee to allow studies to resume again. And after trials that we talked about in this study, it was concluded that based on studies presented, psilocybin may have some efficacy as an alternative agent to manage mental health conditions. However, like this is pretty common in most studies, there are multiple limitations to these studies just because of the inability to repeat on a mass population.
0: The history is so interesting, and especially with that huge gap when they weren't allowed to conduct any type of research with any medicinal mushroom, specifically psilocybin. I mean, we're almost having to backtrack now because the therapeutic properties are being more well-established, and there's more evidence that supports their use. And it's important to note that some of these... Active ingredients, these bioactive ingredients, they can be isolated. So you might say, well, why would a drug or something that's similar structurally to LSD ever be approved? But we've seen different uses of controlled substances, and they're controlled for a reason because they are dangerous, but under the direction of someone guiding you, like a doctor, and if The clinical trials do seem to be effective. There is a time and a place for certain things, and this is definitely no exception, Um, proceeding with caution and care as always, but it's just an interesting area to dive into. So to talk a little bit about the clinical potential of psilocybin as a treatment for mental health conditions, first I will touch on an area surrounding suicidal ideations. This is some data that was collected from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health. And this ranged from 2008 to 2012. And they had 181,831 participants, and they divided them into four different groups. So one group used psilocybin only. The other group used psilocybin and other psychedelics. The third group used other non psilocybin psychedelics only. And then the last group, which represented the majority. So I said there was just over 191,000 participants. So the last group who have never used psychedelics in their lifetime came in at just under 165,000 individuals. So This represented the vast majority of the study group. So what they found was that the odds of all the outcomes that were studied, they were reduced only in the psilocybin-only group when compared to the no psychedelic use group. So that last group, we said no psychedelic use. These outcomes were, were reduced significantly. Specifically, suicidal thinking and ideations and associated planning that were within the last year when this study was conducted they were much lower in the psilocybin group when even compared to the psilocybin and other psychedelics group. And then in terms of the odds of past month overall psychological distress, they were again lower in the psilocybin group, and this was compared to the other psychedelics-only group. There were a few other ones including alcohol dependence and tobacco cessation that were studied. And I've even seen some studies relevant to Alzheimer's disease and other neurodegenerative diseases, not specifically psilocybin. Some, yes, others, just other medicinal mushrooms. But it does seem like there's a lot of ongoing and interesting research. And as long as it's done in an ethical way – that is promoting overall safety and efficacy, it will be really interesting to see what the future could hold because like I was saying, they could isolate some of these ingredients so maybe that they could strip it of some of the psychological effects so it would just be the purely therapeutic portion or component of whatever the drug that they decide to create. Something interesting with nature though, you can't usually patent a lot of green medicine. So overall, this research is very interesting. Clearly, a lot more has to be done to be able to further establish evidence that this is an effective therapeutic approach to whatever disease that it is trying to go under. There is a lot being done overall with other psychedelics. For example, MDMA has been looked at in individuals who have PTSD. There is, like I said, just a lot of research going on and there's so many different avenues that it can take from here. Many different mushrooms, like we were saying, there's over 2,000 species. So there's a lot there. And then when you think about all the different diseases that are in our world, but as long as everything is proceeding with ethics, it will be an an interesting future.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Futures Green podcast. As always, follow along on Instagram for show notes and for some of our big favorite mushroom-based products.